welcome into another episode of That's the Truth. Thank you for tuning in. It's great to have you back. I am Jay Gallegos, and I hope that our time together will encourage and inspire you to grow. I want to help you get one step closer in your journey and further along in becoming who God has intended you to be so you can be effective and make an impact in every area of your life. Well, I had the honor and privilege to have a conversation with Reverend Ruben Rivera. He shares his extensive knowledge and experience in ministry and leadership. To some, he has been considered a modern-day hero of faith. He was very transparent about his battle with pancreatic cancer and talks about the miracle that God performed in him. He testifies about the softball-sized tumor he had and how it was miraculously reduced to the size of a quarter prior to surgery. And well, Brother Rivera is a walking testimony of God's miraculous power as the doctors expected a very short lifespan. Needless to say, he is still standing strong today through God's grace and mercy. And it is a pleasure to invite you into my conversation with Reverend Ruben Rivera. Reverend Ruben Rivera, praise the Lord, my brother. Thank you for joining on the podcast. Thank you for having me on your podcast, sir. Yeah, it's great to have you. And uh, it seems like just yesterday that you were preaching at the church with us. Time flies by so fast. And uh, I thank you for your time, and we honor you, we appreciate you, and uh, we're very great that um, your, your willingness, we're grateful for your willingness to be on with us. It's an honor for me to be here with you, and uh, whatever I can do to um, share anything that I may have that might benefit someone, I'd be more than glad to. Excellent. Thank you so much for your willingness. It, like I said, it just seemed like just yesterday that uh, you were at the church with us preaching. And uh, I, I felt your, your message so inspiring, so powerful. Um, I, I love the way that uh, you present. And always from the heart, I've had the opportunity of um, being in the audience a couple times now um, when you've shared. And uh, I believe that, the, that God uses you in a, in a great way. Um, how, many, how many years have you been in ministry now? Uh, take me a little bit uh, through the early days and how you originally got involved in ministry. Um, I got involved. Well, number one, I was, I was converted at thir at thir 13 years old. And, um, and when I got involved in ministry was, um, I guess I started, but when I was 15, I started feeling, uh, like there was more to me than more to my life than just uh, sitting in the pew. So I started working started started just mainly cleaning up whatever I could do at the church do what cleaning cutting yards whatever I could do but I just wanted to be at the church and as soon as I started doing that then I felt you know there's more to to me than just there's more that I want to do than just serve uh so I started uh I started hanging around with the older people that were going door knocking and witnessing and and I really did enjoy that I enjoyed witnessing I enjoyed uh, talking to people about the Lord, but then I felt there was more to it still. So I started getting involved in children's church and that's at the age of 15 when I started doing that. And, uh, um, and that's where I started at, at the bottom, at the very bottom at the children's church, but I was young, I was 15. So who's going to listen to a 15 year old kid at the time, but the right. children did, and they really did enjoy it. So I would, that's why, and the other part of Brother Gallegos, I come from a large family. Okay. I come from a family of, uh, I'm the oldest of 14, ch 14 children. Wow. So I was used to babysitting and, and taking care of children, but 
never in a position where I could um, share with them uh, the things of God. And so that's why I started learning how to, well, that's why I started really, uh, uh, I guess, practicing my preaching and uh, uh, teaching skills was with those, with the kids. And you learn a lot with kids. They're they're blunt. They'll tell you if you're good or you're yeah. not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't hold back. Yeah. They don't hold back. They're very honest. They're honest. They'll let you know exactly what they think of you. And so uh, there was days when I was great. And there was a lot of times when I was really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't hold back. You know what I'm saying? They don't right. hold back. They tell you. Right. They tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. amazing. Uh, my wife works with kids and has worked with Kids Church and uh, now working with preteens. And we've worked with young adults for a long time. So I definitely relate to the struggles in the early days. and. Uh, being very raw and green and getting um, your feet wet in ministry. But that's amazing. I love how you mentioned that you were involved with um, with serving. You began with serving. I just, um, Pastor Daniel Espinosa was just on with us not too long ago. And uh, uh-huh. he, he talks a lot about um, serving in the community and serving in the church and how powerful that is. But I love that. And I feel that that's part of the ministry that that really captivates the heart when somebody is really, truly doing doing things uh, from the bottom of their heart and not for any other motive. When you do it for yes, serving, it, it, you fall in love with Jesus in such a way that is very genuine. Yes, sir. I was, and the other thing, Brother Guy goes, is I was, before I got converted, I was involved in the, in the Boys Club of America. I was in, in, in the boxing. And so the boxer was a little, as a young boy. Okay. And so I was involved in a lot of community things. But when the, but I had never experienced the acceptance that I felt when I heard about Jesus loving me and how he cared about me. And, and, uh, and then the, when I got around the, the brothers at the church, I felt their camaraderie from everybody. They accepted you for who you mm-hmm. were. I was from a poor, uh, low end, um, financial uh, family, yeah. but they didn't, they didn't look at that. They looked at what I could become. Mm. And what God had done already in my life already. And so that was by itself, you know, inspiring to me to know that, number one, um, God had been made a change in my life. But the impact that I felt from the, the being around the brothers at the church really impacted my life where I wanted to change my life around. Now my goals wasn't to be uh, a boxer or to go on and proceed that, that area. My goal now was to talk about Jesus wherever I went right. and to talk about the Lord wherever I went. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time, um, well, at 13 years old, I was at, I went to junior high school. I was going to Marshall Junior High School in the north side of Houston. And uh, I was at 13. I got converted. I remember I had long hair. Before I before I got converted, I had long hair, and I was I would be like like uh, the the rockers of that time. Yeah. And that time, Kiss yeah. Kiss was the number one group. So I dressed like them. I had everything that I, I we had all the paraphernalia that they had. And when I got converted, I got my haircut, and I remember going getting the haircut. Um, and as I walked to the class the next day, the homeroom teacher, the way I would have to go report in. He asked me, what is your name? I said, what can I do for you? He said, my name is Ruben Rivera. I says, 
You're Ruben Rivera, says I'm Ruben Rivera. What happened to you? The Ruben Rivera we know has long hair. You're not Ruben wow. Rivera. You need to go downstairs. You need to go downstairs and get checked in, son. I said, sir, I am Ruben Rivera. I just I got a haircut this weekend. Mm. He goes, what? You got a haircut? You got these fast clothes too. You got this different clothes too. The Ruben Rivera we know has uh, he has a uh, um, rocker clothes on, and you have these nice clean clothes today. Wow! What wh- what happened to you? I says, well, I met the Lord over the weekend. <laughs> so he says, what? I met Jesus over the weekend, and wow. uh, I don't want to live that kind of life anymore. And, and that's why I started. What is my first? And at that time, I had my thirty kids in the class. My thirty my peers that were in there, plus the class, plus the teacher there. And then I went to my next class, and they I had to do the same thing. And it was thirty, and I had like seven classes that day. And all thirty of the of the of the students that were there, they all got to meet me for the first time after I got converted. Wow. Uh, they knew me before, but now they knew me different. And um, and I'll never forget one one time and one um, one opportunity that I had. There was a history class teacher that I used to have. Her, her name was Miss Prater, and she um, would ask us uh, ask every one of us to stand up and give a little word about ourselves. And I had just got converted. And she asked me, "Well, tell me about you." And and I said, "Well, my name is Reuben, and I just." Gave my heart to Jesus uh, two weeks ago, and it's been the best thing of my life. And I just went down that road. Next thing I know, I talked for about an hour and a half in wow. that class. Wow! <laughs> and that's that's how it started with me. That's and uh, so it it was uh, it was an amazing uh, change. That that's where ministry. I knew ministry was in my blood, man, because it was I couldn't stop. I just wow. couldn't stop. So you mentioned that you you were baptized at thirteen. You go through this radical transformation. To the point where people don't recognize you when you go back to school. At at what point did you recognize the the calling to actually begin to preach? You go from from serving and and, and you fall in love with Jesus, but the actual preaching and sharing the word. How did that come about? Well, I was in a, when in one of those classes in, this, in those classes in, my, in high in junior high school. Uh, there was a. Uh, I had a lot of rejection. A lot of people rejected what I, the message I had. They rejected what I want to say, and so, mm. and so. Um, at that time, I said, "Well, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do. Maybe I need to scale it back a little bit." And so then, I remember going down the hall, down the hallway, and all of a sudden, I had students come up to me. Hey, can you do me a favor? Says yes. I got a I got a sister that needs prayer. She's going through this, and I know you're a man of God. And I said, well, I'm 15 years old. I'm a man of God. I said, wow. okay. So I'm going to, I'll pray for you. Right, I'll pray for you. Well, can you pray for us right now? And I would pray for them right there. And they would, tears would come down while I'm praying with them. Mm. And I would go, I'd go to the next, uh, and they would, they would call me to the side. They would, and I would pray for them. Then one day, on that during that same week, I had a, a the same teacher, the history, his, uh, the history teacher I was telling you about. Um, she she just said, "Hey, before I start the class today, I just want to let you guys know I lost my best friend, and she was a real good friend of mine. And I don't know how to deal with this, so I'm gonna ask uh, I'm gonna ask uh, one of the young men that the young man that just uh, got converted. Where's he at, Ruben? Can you?" Uh, um, can you pray for me right now? Mm. And I need, I need prayer. She just broke down. She was just, she just broke down. Yeah. 
And I began to pray for her. And and uh, you could feel the presence of the Lord so strong. You could feel the presence of God just come on her. And she just feel the peace of God just come over. And then I had a word for her. And the word was to, you know, and I don't know where I got this. I said, I, said, I told her, I says, one of the things that I found, ma'am, is that when I go to the book of Psalms, that gentleman that writes the book, the book of Psalms, he he talks a lot about his everyday crisis that he faces on a daily basis. But he writes it down in a poetic way. And I find that the book of Psalms is a book of wisdom and also a book of comfort. And I, when I... That's what I find in the book of Psalms. I, I, I'm not a preacher, I said, but that's what I found in the book of Psalms. And she says, you're not a preacher. You need to be. Wow. <laughs> she recognized it. I said, okay. Yeah. And that's where, that's where I started thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe I need to go a little bit further with this thing and start, uh, you know, looking into this because this is something that really uh, – because I really did enjoy the ministry part, but she recognized it. I hadn't recognized it, but she did recognize it. Yeah. And so that's where the, I knew how, maybe I need to pursue this a little further. And, um, and it, it takes time to really get where you want to get. But um, I do know that that was the beginning for me where I, where people would see it. I didn't see it, but but little things begin to show me. Hey, maybe I need to look into this because there's. Some, and then as I as I begin to pray yep. and seek the Lord, get closer to the Lord, then I started feeling the calling. Okay, yes, this is my calling, and I don't know where it's going to lead, but this is my calling, and I'm going to yep. start pursuing it. Yeah, that is so powerful and and so real and genuine uh, the way that you share that and. Uh, a personal testimony from from people and how they see it in you and and the presence of God just really shines through people pick up on that and and it's very very real for them so there's i, I feel that there's power in 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 preparation of course and being prepared uh i don't think anyone just goes up to the pulpit just to share off the first thought that comes off the top of their mind of course so the anointing was over your life you recognized the calling other people saw it in you it was it was reflected off of you. So we know that whenever we share a word, for the most part, you would probably agree with me that uh, oftentimes it's uh, something that we share from from the heart, from the spirit that we feel. So oftentimes it's something from uh, personal experience as well as well. But when it comes to the preparation, you know, it, it comes to a point where we we have to work on ourselves before we work on other people, or um, it could also be through uh, experience of getting to know Jesus during that process, he begins to work in our lives. So if we're working on ourselves and, and we prepare uh, in our life prior to leading at, at a larger stage or in a larger uh, crowd, you know, God begins to trust us with with more and in, in ministry and in, in different platforms. So through the growth process, um, it, the, the, the growth process is ongoing for the Christian leader. So how do we become self-aware um, that we first need to work on ourselves or that we need to be, to get closer to God so he can filter out some things and, and fine tune those things, even though that the calling and the anointing is there. Uh, that's a good question. The one, the one thing I do remember is that um, my pastor that I had at the time, he always 
um, talked to us about before you can lead, you have to be led. And the yeah. first thing he would tell he would tell us is that um, to be a good leader, you have to be a good servant. And the other thing about that was that don't get so don't get too caught up in the in the idea of um, of trying to be a great preacher, a great teacher. But first, you got to be taught. So the first thing that he would that we did when I was growing up is that. Um, there's a process you got to go through. And that process is you get closer to the Lord, the Lord begins to clean things out and deal with you on a personal level. Because if you, there's a lot of things that we got, a lot of habits that we have, a lot of, a lot of things that we got to get cleared up. Um, number one is pride. Um, pride us to get, get out of the way for God to, to move and have his way. And for, for you to be the vessel that God can choose to use, you have to be a vessel that God can, um, God can, God can use in order for that. Like the, the self, the, the, the self, um, the glory has to get, getting out of the way. So what God does is through time, uh, he begins to mold you and humble you and process you. And that's a fire. That's a firing process. That's where the, like gold has to go through a fire to get, the, get to get pure gold. You have to, yep. it's got to go through the fire. It's got to get all the dross has got to be taken away. All the filthiness has got to be taken away. And all that that's no good has got to be taken out. And that's where trials and tribulations and, and times you have to be patient. Can you be patient? Um, that's the hard part to be patient. Patient is you got to wait your time. It's and and if you can wait your time, then at the at the time that God needs you, He knows exactly where He needs you, when He needs you, and He'll use you at the time. If you get ahead of yourself and you start going out there, um, you can do a good job. But how good of a job could you have done if God were to have done? everything like he wanted to sometimes we get in the way and then we make a mess of things instead of bringing uh, glory to god we bring glory to ourselves and the glory to ourselves is good for a little moment but the glory for when god gets the glory it goes above and beyond yeah anything you can imagine it can reach those people that can are unreachable it can you with yourself you can entertain people to and entertain people that like you but when you're and that's entertainment but when you're god's servant it's not entertainment that's a god movement and that's where god begins to move in the hearts of men and begin in the hearts of people and they begin to get faith and they get they get to see things that that if they can happen for him or if it can happen uh, and that word begins begins to illuminate you and you see it when you're speaking that god begins to illuminate them yeah. and show them things and you they, that they had never seen before and all of a sudden they're when they were in depressed all of a sudden they see a smile you then you always see a ray of hope then you see a miracle happen right in front of you where god has god can do these things yeah. but all that takes time yeah. and a process and that's the one thing that people are don't like to go through. You know, they want to they want to go out there and just get up and go. Well, uh, yeah, there's a get up. There's a you got to get up to get closer to God. Then you got to go to the process where God can cleanse you, yeah. so that when He gets all the glory and He gets all the praise, and you can be effective. Because when the flesh is in the way, um, you can entertain, 
but that's what it's called. It's entertainment. Yeah. It's not a God movement. And when God moves, people get filled with the Holy Ghost. People get converted. People get healed. People get uh, things happen when God moves. Yeah. But when it's you, then you're filling a spot or a position or a, a place, but you're not really being effective. And I think that's where a lot of a lot of Christians get, you know, we get ahead of ourselves because we don't let God uh, work on us to be able to, you know, how many, look at the prophet Elijah. Yeah. Before Elijah went out, we, you know, he had, um, before he did the miracle of the, of the rain and all that, uh, the Lord told him, go tell uh, the king that, it's not going to rain for three years. And until you say it's going to rain, then it's going to rain. In the meantime, I want you to go to the brook Kidrock. I want you to stay. Uh, uh, it was a brook. He said, I want you to stay over there and the ravens will feed you. And he was out there for two and a half years. No one heard of the, the guy for two and a half years. Yeah. And then at the right time, the Lord brought him. But when he came, he came with boldness. He came with power and he came with authority. And he was said, okay, you guys do your thing. And they started, all the priests started jumping up and down doing it for almost the whole day. Mm. And then he came out, he said, put some, put water on, on the, uh, where we're going to put the, uh, the sacrifice, put the water all over the place. Well, it's not going to burn. There's water. It's, don't worry. He wasn't afraid because the three years that he was on his own, what do you think he was doing? He was praying. Yeah. He was seeking God. He was alone with God, right. and he was meditating. So that's we don't know about those what happened in those three years. But I know what he did. He was praying. He was yeah. seeking God. So what do you do during that? That was a process that he was going through because God wanted to show him it's not by by might nor by strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And you're going to learn it. So when he gets out there to go uh, beat those those uh, four hundred fifty uh, priests or whatever. Uh, he's not, he's not intimidated by them. He's yeah. one man against 450 people. Mm-hmm. And, and, but he knows his God brother. Yeah, and if definitely. God is for me, who can be against me? Definitely. That is excellent. That is so profound. And I think that power of obscurity, um, I think that, that we're missing that or missing the purpose in the, in the newer generation and the younger generation, because now everything is more about instant gratification. You can, anything that you want to know, as, as you know, you go into Google, you go into any type of platform and you search anything and everybody nowadays is an expert uh, on every topic. It can be politics, yes, it, it can be medicine, it can be anything. So information is at our fingertips. Anything that you that you are searching for, a lot of things are on the on demand as an option. So I think that that affects the power of obscurity and how God has always used that to mold and to process and to fine tune someone that he is uh, molding for his purpose. So you do you feel that that's part of um, what limits maybe younger people in ministry in that development process and just feeling the urge of, well, I need to be seen now versus staying in obscurity and allowing God to, to take us through that process and to kind of cradle us through uh, his purpose. 
I think that that's one of the things that 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 happens to young people today um, and to younger generation today is because and it happened to don't not to them today. It happened to us, too. when we were growing right. up. We wanted to be seen. That's the one thing that you learn. You yearn for is to yeah. be recognized for what you're doing and to be seen and to and because an identity it's you're looking for seeking an identity and you're looking to find your own identity and to be. So the one thing that you have in 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 the work of the Lord, the most important thing is uh, how much time you spend with Him. And as you spend more time with Him, He begins to reveal His secrets to you. He begins to reveal reveal things to you that no one will. And that's where um, you can know a lot of you can have a lot of knowledge, but do you have the wisdom? Right. Their wisdom is different. Knowledge is you can you can learn all kinds of stuff. Like you said, the, uh, we have the information uh, highway at our disposal right now through the internet. We get all kinds of information. That's information, but knowledge and wisdom that comes from God Almighty. Yeah. That that comes by spending time with Him and by spending time in the Word. And the one thing I do know, Brother Gagos, one thing I do like to do when I'm studying and I'm leading it to preach or whatever I'm going to preach to some uh, another church, I was always told that um, don't copy what everybody else does. Don't right. preach what everybody else does. Yeah. Try to try to get something that nobody else talks about look into things about um you know that's why reading the word of god is important because we read the word of when you read the word of god and you study the word and you begin to study it you'll find things that um nuggets that no one ever touches that no one ever remembers that no one even dares go through it because they they're going by what everybody else is going what's the fad today that's what they're going with you know, and what's everybody talk? What what topics are we talk, talking about today? That's what everybody goes with. But if you spend the time in the Word, you'll find that that's a topic. But underneath, there's a lot of subtopics that nobody's talking about right. that could help somebody today. You know, so everyone wants to hit a everyone. Everyone wants to hit a home run, but you need the singles, you need the doubles, yes, and you need the the walks. Absolutely, you need. You need those things. Yeah. That gets that gets the uh, the the thing going. And if you don't get that going, the the home runs like the Babe Ruths and that what they did at that time, um, they struck out more than they did they than they hit home runs. Right. No one remembers that. They yeah. they don't remember that he was a home run king, but they don't remember that he was the number one strikeout hit uh, strikeout person that there was either. Yeah. But when but when he was the the they remember the the the, the home ranking. But think about when you start doing the little things, the things that I, I can help you to get from point A to point B, then from point B to point C, then from point C I can get you home. That's where I think is missing in the in the kingdom. Because everyone, everyone, all the preachers, all the young ministers, all the young minist- uh, ministries want to hit home runs from the get-go. Right. Um, you remember um, uh, Peter and John had the revival in the Book of Acts in Jerusalem. Yeah. And everything was going up. And then God, God called Philip. He says, hey, I want you to go to the desert. But revival's over here in, Phil- in, in, in Samaria. We have revival over here. Now I want you to go to the desert. Yeah. And and he took him out there, and there was a there was a guy that was 
he was going on his way back to his home to the homeland. He was an Ethiopian, and he was only one man. And he was reading from the book of Isaiah 53. Yeah. And he didn't know what he was reading. And so he, Philip says to him, hey, do you understand what you're reading? That's, that's what I'm talking about. Those are, that man was a leader in his home country. Mm. This man, Philippi, or Philip, he talked to him about the Lord. And that man went home to his homeland to go and convert as many that were in that area. Yeah. No one knows what happened that, to that, that country, but I guarantee you that God was in it. Something happened over there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something happened over there. But it started with a guy that, that wasn't interested in hitting a home run, like everything was going on in Samaria. He was interested in just getting to base. I'm going to go from A to B. And God will take care of the rest. Yeah. <laughs> the rally began. The rally began. Yeah. And then you hear later on, these men that have turned the wool upside down have come into our own city. That you in the book of Acts that says that. Yeah. But but it started with Philip and all these little guys that were doing the work. Yeah. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, all these people were doing all the work. They were the ones that spreading the word. They weren't they weren't hitting home runs. They were hitting singles, doubles, singles, doubles, walks, singles, doubles, singles, doubles. And they were just doing everything that they needed to do. Yeah. They call that in, in, in baseball the, the dirty work. The, the, the dirty work. The, the exactly. sacrifice hitting. The sacrifice the sacrifice, hitting. The sacrifice hitting. They were doing all those things. Yeah. And so when they were hitting, they were hitting. Then you then all of a sudden when the home run guy comes around, he hits a home run, but everybody had already had done their job and you had a grand slam mm. because everybody got to their did their job. So when the grand slam came in, brother, God got, you know, God gets the glory. All yeah. of a sudden you had three thousand, five thousand, then you had the world was turned upside down, and then all of a sudden you had uh leaders like uh that uh a king uh one of the kings of of uh i think it's in um in the book of actual peter where uh, paul uh testifies to some uh huge guy he tells him he says you know you almost got me converted with your testimony wow. i mean for god to for god to use a man like paul in that area now paul again he's he's a home run guy but he's in jail for how many years and he writes half the book of the New Testament, brother, or right. all, all, almost all the New Testament. Right. But right. he's in jail, brother. He's mm -hmm. not out there preaching. He's in jail the whole time he's doing it. Yeah. Now, talk about a guy that is in obscurity, mm. yet he's well known for what he did. But Jeez. God put him in jail because he, he says, I, for you to write the New Testament to help the, the New Testament, I need you to be, I need you to put, I need you to be in jail so you can sit down and not do anything and just write. Wow. Now, how many of us would be willing to do that? Wow. <laughs> you know, we, we just, I guess we can call it post pandemic now, I guess uh, yes. being considered uh -huh. that and the pandemic for a lot of people was that moment of obscurity. So now that we're at this stage, at this level, you can tell the ones that were really in tune in their secret place with God, you can tell who was really fine tuning their their, their craft, who was fine tuning their their their, their ministry, who was fine tuning fine tuning uh, in that secret moment in that secret place. And then the Bible says, of course, that you know it, it's in that secret place that that we're faithful and and, and God lifts us up in public. And um, that that is so powerful and so profound. And thank you for for sharing that and, and, and diving into that because you mentioned some Bible, some uh, some baseball terms there, and, and swinging for the fences. I, I think that at some point we're all tempted 
to do that. And that comes from what you mentioned also, that pride that is just naturally in our heart. And God is always fine-tuning that. He's always working in us and and, and through us and, and working on ourselves like that. But swinging for the fences, yeah, I, I don't I don't know of another, I guess for using the baseball term, that another play that will get thousands of people on their feet clapping and cheering for for the player when then when a home run is hit that that is that is the that is a, the pinnacle of the, a grand hitting a grand slam is the, that's the pinnacle of the of the baseball world or uh going for um for the big the big scores like that so whenever you're talking about preaching and you're talking about ministry at some point we're we're tempted to kind of feed off of the people and feed off of the maybe the applause, even though it's not for us, they're responding to the message that that God had put in your heart to share. But at some point, when a person that is not healthy in their heart, or maybe is tempted, or is subject to um, being driven by that, how do you separate the applauses and the reaction of the people by the message that you're sharing, and actually just listening to the voice of God and let that letting God drive the way that you present, you speak, and when you deliver the message. If you if you know your message and you know that the message is from God, then it doesn't matter whether you get an applause or you don't get an applause. Right. Because you know you got your message. And the key point is for you to get that message home. Whether you get the applause or you don't get the applause. It's not about you You do what God says and you you bring out what the message that God gave you. The problem that we have is sometimes we as ministers or preachers, and I've been, I've been guilty of that too in my younger years. And I try not to do that now, but when I, I, um, one thing that the mistake that we make is that if we don't get the applauses, we then we didn't do a good job. No, it right. doesn't. It's not about the. It's not about the applause. It's to get the message across. What is that message? The first message that we should get across is number one that Jesus loves everyone and He's died for everyone on the cross. That's the the, the main message, and that you can have a better life, and that life is through Jesus Christ. So that's the, the message you want to get across. Now, the, whatever message you're teaching or whatever lesson you're teaching, what is the purpose? What is the goal of the message? If it's holiness, if it's, uh, if it's uh, brokenness, to be broken before God, then that should be the focus of your message and make sure that, you know, you go with that. What I find is that when we're not prepared and we're not ready, then that's when we start looking into um, – uh, getting applauses and we start worrying about what people think about our sermons and what it says because we weren't ready we weren't ready to give the the we didn't we weren't focused enough to or we weren't prepared better yet to give the message we didn't even know the message ourselves yeah. mm-hmm. and so now we're looking to get applauses of people and what have you but if you get you have the message and you know you have the message and you uh, then the next the next thing you have to do is try to get that message across. Yeah. What's the best way to get the message across? And try to get it to where people can identify with the message with you. And the way I do it, me personally, um, I like people to identi- be able to identify. So when I talk about my 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 uh, the cancer that God healed me from, yeah. um, people can identify with because they get they get you know the fear when I talk about the fear of what happened to me of of uh, 
when I heard that I had cancer. And uh, when I met with the doctor gave me three months, people get that all the time. And they understand that, you know, this is a, a real illness. And when they hear those, they, they don't go to the doctor. A lot of people don't go to the doctor because they're afraid to get bad news, whether it's high blood pressure, sugar diabetes, or, or heart problems, or whatever the problem. They don't want to go to the doctor. But when they go to the doctor, then they get the bad news. What do you do then? How do you right. react? And so then I share what I did. You know, yeah, that was fear of me. Yes, I have a situation that the time I had my first wife, she was disabled. She's blind. Right. She's in a wheelchair. I had to go face her and let her know what's going to take care of her. That's the first question. Who's going to take care of her when I, when I do pass away? Mm. And all these things go through your mind. And I go home and I talk to her. And then she says, you know, we talked to the Lord and we talked to the doctor and all this talk to the Lord. And we went to the Lord. So what what I what I share with people there says when everything else when everything has come across that's negative in your life, because it's whether it's a job, whether it's a, a marriage problem that you're having, whatever it is, or it's an illness or the loss of someone that you love, like a son or daughter or whatever. Um, the number one thing you should do is go to the Lord. Take right. it to the Lord. Before you do anything, the, the last, as long as there's hope, take it to the Lord. We took it to the Lord and the Lord made that miracle. What happened, and I know what the doctor told me, he says, we measured that that tumor was the size of a salt ball. How it became the size of a quarter, I don't know. But wow. I know what I measured. I don't make mistakes like that. Yeah. And and I measured that thing. It was the size of a salt ball. And now it's the size of a quarter. That's unreal. Wow. I've never seen that before. Well, who who does that, brother? It's God. Right. And where did he do that when we went to the Lord in prayer? And yeah. we took it to God. So God does do miracles. And then when I go to the go to go to the go uh to go see the doctor that gives me the uh the uh that's gonna give me chemotherapy and all the other things, and he's uh he's checking me out he goes you go to this room and you go see these dvds that we're going to show you what we're what we're going to what the plan of execution of how we're going to take care of your situation we're going to go study your your records i've never met you right no sir okay well i'm gonna I gotta go study your records he comes out and he starts saying oh thank god praise god as he comes out of his room and i'm saying uh yes sir he goes uh you may not be a Christian, but I am a Christian. I'm a minister. He goes, then you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He says, you should be dead by now because by wow. the time we take you to MB Anderson, what you're about to, you were about to go into at, at this time, you would have been dead already because wow. three months had already passed. You would have been dead already, sir. You yeah. didn't have much time to live. And, and how they found this, uh, they found this, uh, uh, this cancer and the symptoms that you had, you shouldn't have portrayed none of these symptoms. You shouldn't have displayed none of these symptoms because these symptoms are un, un, uncommon that you should display these things. Yeah. But I do know one thing he says, God had a purpose. That's what he told me. God had a purpose as to why you're here. And this Absolutely. is why you displayed the, you displayed the, the symptoms that you had because God wanted us to find that cancer, deal with it, take it out, so you can continue on with your ministry. I said, "Whoa, wow. <laughs> whoa, that was." Mm. I mean, that's a that's a man that, and he's a, and he says, "You don't know me. We never met, right?" So, no, we never met. Well, I'm just letting you know. God wants you to continue your ministry. Jeez. I says, "Yes, sir. I wow. will continue." That's that's that is that's amazing. how that went, brother. 
That's oh how it went. God. Now, in the middle of all this, brother, right. I'm not preaching. I'm not teaching. I'm just going. I'm just going through. I'm going through a a, a period in my life where yeah. I'm working, trying to take care of my wife, trying to take care of myself, and I'm not preaching or teaching. But I do know what he's telling me. I'm I am eating everything he's telling me, and I'm yeah. my faith is growing. Now, uh, one of the questions that one of the things that I had was, so how does faith get tested? Yeah. Well. Faith gets tested when you don't need faith when everything's going good. You don't need faith when you got a good job, you got money in the bank, you got a good car, and you got a good family, and everything's going really good. That's you don't need faith then. You need faith when the rubber hits the road, brother. When right. you're getting hit with losing a job, uh, right now with the crisis that are going on in the world right now, and every everybody's all up in turmoil, in in pressure, under pressure, depressed, whatever. You need faith right now to live in the times that we're living in, to know that God is in control. In spite of everything that's going on, God is in control of everything. You're at the right time, at the right place, because God is in control. And in my health at that time, God was testing my faith. Okay, you you believe God for healing for everybody else. Now it comes to you. It's hitting home now. What about you? Do you believe God can heal you? Well, yeah, I think it can. I'm, are you? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go home. No, no. Do you have faith that God can heal you? Right. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, let's pray about it and let's believe. And that's where your faith gets tested when it starts stretching. Absolutely. And it looks like your well, your faith is being stretched to the limits, and then it almost seems like there's a tear yeah. in that fabric of faith. There's a tear, and God is saying, no, no, you can keep going. And it's, you can hear the tension. You can hear the, the the tear in the fabric of faith. You can feel it. You can feel it, but God right. says, okay, now you... Now all of a sudden, he leaves it there for a while, and you're under this stress, and you're under, but God says, trust me. And you begin to trust. And all of a sudden, you're still under that 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 curtain of uh, the shadow of that doubt or when the shadow of that that problem but all of a sudden the tension begins because you're having faith in god you begin to give it to god that all that trial and all that stress you have you give it to the lord all of a sudden that tension of your faith begins to shrink a little bit right because now you begin to rest you begin to rest in god the fact that all the pressure is still there but your faith begins to get transferred over to the lord now he takes it and that tension all of a sudden brother gets less yeah absolutely that that term time under tension that is something that is used in the uh athletic world or or maybe in the in the uh body fitness world the the longer the body remains under tension the more that it adapts it and endures and it begins to strengthen itself so i I get the sense and in my experience and from your story as well that the that also applies to faith you know there's time under tension that god begins to mold you and, and and takes you through that process of course right Right, right, and what it what it does is, it it you don't know what you have until you try it, yeah. and then when you when God puts you in that in that position. Now, brother, um, two years ago, I I had to go through, um, I they were telling me that my my liver was going out because of the medication yeah. and the and the and the uh, surgeries I had. So anyways they're saying your liver's going out. So for 30 days I couldn't walk. I had I was in a hospital bed for 30 days. Then I had to come I came back home. I couldn't walk. I really really couldn't walk. But I had to learn how to walk. I had to do 
I had lost all my muscles. I had lost everything. So the way I, I, I did is I live in a home that is about six feet off the, the street level. So there's an incline into my driveway. So what I had to do is I would walk down the incline and then I would walk up the incline. For an everyday okay. person that's used to it, you're it's a it's not a struggle. But for somebody that has no muscles, lost all his all his muscles, lost all his strength, hasn't walked, hasn't been up for thirty days, you're feeling dizzy, you're feeling but I would every day I'd walk up that incline. And I it would be a struggle. It would be a struggle. I would feel like I would be losing my balance, but I would struggle. I would still walk. Yeah. I would go as far as I could. Even though it hurt me, even though I felt like I was gonna pass out, I still would do it because I knew that if I didn't do it, I was gonna lose more than what I had just lost already. I had lost the a muscle because of 30 days of not doing anything. Wow. If you don't use it, you lose it. Right. So you have to begin to develop the muscles. The only way you develop the muscles is by going against the the tension and going against the the uh, the grain, if you will. Right. Same thing happens when you go through trials. That's why God gives you trials. That's why God go, puts you through the fire to test your faith, so that your faith gets tested, gets stronger, because you're going to need that faith to be strong in a time of real crisis. Right. The 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 crisis is is coming. David. When he fought Goliath, he didn't get faith when he fought Goliath. He already had his faith way back when he was fighting the lions and the bears. Right. When he saw when he saw Goliath, uh, this guy's nothing. My, my God can take. He took care of bears and lions with me. Uh, this guy's nothing compared to God because he saw he saw who God was in right. in that in that field by himself, taking care of the of the wolves and the lions and everything, like, and and the bears that would try, try to take away his sheep. So when he sees this man, he says, uh, every looked at the man Goliath, he's nine foot tall, he's weighs what a thousand pounds, and right. he's got all these muscular muscles and whatever, everybody's afraid of him. David didn't see that. What he saw was God beyond Goliath. He says, This man is nobody compared to my God. Yeah. So when he, he comes to you, you come against with me with your javelin, with your sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He didn't say it with what my cunning, with this rock that I have in my hand that I can use really good. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he throws the, the stone. When he throws the stone, but he comes in the name of the Lord who he knows. He knows his God. Right. So that's where the the development of your faith begins. The more you get to know God, the more you get to know how far you can go. Yeah. And the more you get to know God, the more you trust him. The more you trust him, the further you go. Absolutely. But if you never get trusted, if you never if you never get tested, that is, never get tested, you'll never know God. Right. And when the when the trial comes, the real trials come, yeah. you'll be the first one to throw in the throw in the gloves. Absolutely. You'll be the first one to quit. Yeah. Yes, sir. And that is that is the revealing power and, and what God uses as a tool and the vehicle to to make himself known, because if everything is perfect around us, like you mentioned, then at what point are we really going to turn to God? So whenever he uses that vehicle to wake us up, then uh, that that is so profound. And thank you so much for sharing that and being very transparent with that. So when someone mentions cancer, the doctor mentions cancer. That's a big word for a lot of people, for the majority of us, the most of us. That's a big word. You hear that, and it's hard not to think the worst immediately. And in that moment, how do you first um, 
how, how do you deal with that news? And what were your initial thoughts when the doctor says you have three months? It was three months, correct? Right, right. So how, how do you deal with that? Well, let me, uh, a friend of mine took me that day to to go get uh, when they flew, they did the exam on me, and he he was really he was a friend of mine, and he was, and you know, uh, ironically, I'll let's just share this with you. I have a lot of friends in the in the church in in the faith, but the people that stood out to me, brother, that came and that 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 came weren't people from my church that that came to my that took me to the doctor i couldn't even drive this man was a man that i i uh he was a uh a former manager of mine and he he said uh mr ray rubin i know you got this problem i want to go with you i'm going to take you what time can i pick you up he picked me up took me over to the doc to the to the appointment they did the exam and he was when after the exam was over, they uh, he was next to me, and the doctor came out. and He says, "Okay, we uh, we found the problem." He says, "We you have cancer, and you have it in the pancreas." And uh, gonna be honest with you, Mister Rivera, you need to go home, get your life in order because you have about three months to live. If we can't get to it um, any sooner than that, you're you're going to be gone in three months. The man that was with me, he, uh, the gentleman took me with me. He, he uh, passed out. He fell down on the on the wall, mm. and he fell on the floor. And uh, I'm I'm still trying to wake up from the anesthesia. I, I I know what's going on. I'm there. I am fully. I can. I'm having a good conversation with the man. I just can't. Um, I'm having a little struggle putting my clothes on. I put my clothes on. And uh, they go get nurses to go help the gentleman to pick him up. And uh, by this time, I have my shoes on. And I say, hey, are you all right? He says, yeah, I'm fine. Did you hear what he said? I says, I sure did. You only have three months. I says, wow. yeah, that's what they said. I only have three months. But uh, uh, what are you going to do? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go home and eat dinner. And I'm going to go talk to my wife. And I'm going to tell her what the doctor said. And we'll have to make plans of what we're going to do. Doesn't that scare you? says well what can i do i says i can't do nothing about it but you know it's not the end of the world yet i mean i still got three months so uh let me go home let me talk to my wife and all the way home he's quiet and he's teary-eyed yeah he's real quiet he's teary-eyed he's a smoker and he's uh he's uh he's uh asking me can i you mind if i was, i got a bag of smoke <laughs> yeah, God, smoke. He goes, but uh, and he's and he rolls his window. And he's like, he's really going at it with us. And I'm like, you know, I'm just thinking, I got to talk to my wife. I really got to tell my wife. Uh, I'm going to tell her. And so he uh, tells me, um, "Did you want anything?" I says, "Yes." And we stopped by a place and we picked up and we got home. And that's what I talked to my wife and I said, "Honey." Uh, this is what the doctor says. And my wife says to me, well, what do you think? I says, well, the Lord's in control. I did know that. Um, but, you know, the other part of that is I do know now what the scripture says. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So either way, I'm going to win. But the one worry I did have to me was 
what about my family? What's going to happen to my family? And so as a human being, you make plans and you need to. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with making plans, but there's of what's going to happen should something happen that we don't want it to happen. But it does. You, you got to make plans. At the same time, you also got to trust God. What does God say about this? Mm. And so that's where we went to prayer. So, Lord, we're going to give it in your hands. I can't do nothing about this. Yeah. The way I, I can't do nothing. This is beyond my control. This is beyond my my pay rate, my pay scale. Right. Uh, this this problem I have, it goes into your hands. The doctors say they this is what they found. This is where it's at. And everybody's got pancreatic cancer, according to what they say. 98% of them die within 90%. the first 98%. Wow. And all, that means only two people out of 100 make it. Lord, if it's my time to go, then I just, then it's my time to go. That's unbelievable. But whatever you, but whatever you say, I'll do what you say. Yeah. And we prayed. And the power of God came down, brother. Yeah. I mean, we, the power of God came down in my home. My wife and I began to speak in tongues. And uh, my wife says, honey, I think it's going to be okay, she says. Mm. I feel the Lord. Mm. I think it's going to be okay. Whatever happens, it's going to be okay. Mm. And two weeks later, uh, I get yellow jaundice. And they have to take me emergency in. And the doctors that were going to wait for three months to take care of me. All of a sudden they said, Mr. Rare, we got to operate now because uh, this is getting bad. So we can't wait till the time that we told you you had to wait. We have to do the operation immediately and we have to remove it now. And I said, well, I, I don't have an appointment at MB Anderson. says, we don't worry about it. We teach there at MB Anderson, but we have room here at St. Luke's. We're going to do the operation right now here at St. Luke's and we're going to do it now. Mm. And they went in and they took it out. That's where they found the, the tumor that was the size of a quarter. Wow. And originally and it was the size of a baseball. Oh, a softball. 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 That, that's a, a softball. huge difference. That's a huge difference. Yes, sir. That's unbelievable. Yes, sir. That's, an, that's crazy. That's something that only that, God can do. That's what God does. That's right. what God does. Yeah. So many, many today doubt of God's miraculous healing ability, especially in the worst case of scenarios. It seems like the worst the scenario is or the, the, the situation may be. There's some that say, well, those crazy evangelicals, they're, they're at it again, you know, sharing these stories. So how do you explain God's healing power to those that doubt and are skeptic? Well, brother, let me tell you, uh, there's a lot of witnesses. I have people that see me in during that time. Yeah. They saw me lose a lot of weight during that time that I was that I was ill and they thought I was a goner. Yeah. And then they saw me come back up. They <laughs> said, so what happened to wow. you? How did you how did you do it? I says, I told them what happened. And they says it had to be God. Absolutely. They went so so there's you know uh when Jesus resurrected uh it says those five hundred people saw him or more that after his resurrection. Yeah. Well you can't you cannot deny a miracle when it happens. Absolutely. And when people when people tell you, they can tell you, uh, 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 they can call us uh, crazy fanatics or whatever they want to call us, and that we're crazy. But when God does the miracles, brother, they can't deny it that God yeah. did the miracle. Yeah. They can't deny it. All they can do is glorify and worship God because, brother, one gentleman said, I thought the last time, the first time I saw you get sick, when I first saw you sick, I said, he, he's not going to last. He's going to be gone. Yeah. And then I saw him uh, two weeks ago. And he says, 
and look at you. You're still here. That was 12 years ago. Wow. That is incredible. <laughs> and he says, you're, you're still here. I says, yeah, because God says, they're, they're, whatever you're doing, whatever you're, whatever, whatever you're doing, Mr. Rick, keep doing it because God is good. He says, God is really good. I says, yes, sir. He is. And the one lady broke out. One, one lady, I was, one of my customers, I walked in to see her. She began to cry. Mm. And she says, I thought you were dead already, Mr. Rivera. Wow. I thought you had died. And I told her what happened. She just started crying. And she says, only God could have done that. Absolutely. So, so they, can, they, they can say, the skeptics and those people can say what they want to say. But brother, when God does a miracle, that slaps them in the face. Yeah. Because it's a miracle, brother. Because mm. it shouldn't have happened. And when I have the documents to tell you. Yeah. And you're you're three months and you're gone, or you're proof. you're the living proof, and they see you, uh, and you're still around. How, how does that happen? It's a God. It's a it's a God thing. Yeah. And when it's a God thing, you can't deny it. No matter what happens, you cannot deny it. So explaining that to them, um, a skeptic um, and those that make, uh, they'll never be. Uh, you'll always have them, but. The witnesses, you can't deny them. They're yeah. always going to be there too. So I don't get too worried about those guys because when they they go and get stuff and they don't know what to do, um, then they 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 will they usually come to the Lord's feet as well. Before I let you go, I just right. want to let you know one thing: is uh, years ago, my first wife was in she was in a wheelchair and she was blind, and uh, her she had a nurse and she was in dialysis. She had a nurse that would make fun of her a lot because she was an evangelical and um, Pentecostal, and uh, and she'd make fun of her a lot. Well, one day they used to work. They used my their treatment center was right across the street from Hobby Airport, and one day um, it was about Christmas time. Her children were coming back to visit her. And the plane that they were on all of a sudden disappeared from the radar of the airport screens that, or the, where they document these planes coming in. Um, anyways, uh, she got a phone call. The nurse did. The mother got a phone call that the plane of their children had disappeared off the screen. And they were sending out uh, air helicopters to the area where they lost the, uh, the, the last they had seen the 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 plane recorded on the radar screen so she just broke out in tears she broke out in tears and started crying and screaming and my wife says uh she recognized the voice she goes what's wrong with with her and uh they told her what happened and uh the lady again that made fun of my wife and told my wife at one time why don't you just curse god and die it'd be the best thing for you you're you're look what you are. You're disabled. You're in a wheelchair. You're blind. You've got kidney problems and just die. And my wife just would keep on serving the Lord. Well, she told the, the lady says, come over here. Come over here. Let me let me pray for you. And the lady went over there. And she cried because she, she just started crying. My wife put her hand on her head and began to pray for her. Mm. About 30 minutes later. See, they're so comforting her. They're, she wants to run to the airport, but there's nothing she can do. She stayed there. They have the nurse there. And uh, all of a sudden, here comes the kids. And they're walking through the door of the of the, the place where yeah. she's where they're working. And she begins to cry. What happened? We had problems with the plane, Mom. We thought we were going to die. But for some reason, 
uh, uh, somehow we, I don't know, they got control of the plane and we landed and we got here. But they said they lost us. I said, well, they did. They they said they couldn't. They didn't know what happened. They lost us on, but they we we got here. And what time was this? That that this had happened. And says, well, we were having struggles for quite a bit. We we were going to, we're going to die. And that little girl was crying because she thought she was going to die. The little girl did. Mm. And uh, turned out it was about the time that my wife prayed for her that the plane came back into control or whatever it was. Wow. <laughs> and the ladies and the lady. Came to my wife says, Ms. Rivera, thank God that you don't didn't just quit and die. Wow. Because A, you didn't curse your God, you're still around and God heard your prayers. And I want to thank you for praying for us. And that lady was a uh, uh, an atheist. Mm. She won a Bible. Yeah. And she got a Bible. And she was uh, now a firm believer in the power of God. That is amazing. You don't you don't know what God will do right. when you are uh, faithful to him. Yep. And when you're faithful to him, Job always said, uh, Job could have said, why me, Lord? Yep. What did I do? But he says, the Lord give it, the Lord take it away. Yep. Let the name of the Lord be glorified. Wow. And that's what he did. And if you do that, there's no telling what God will do. Yeah, There's no telling what God will do. So uh, thank you for for letting me share this with you guys. And Reverend, I hope it's a you. blessing. Thank you so much for for being willing to do it and being very gracious with your time. And uh, we've dived into so many things about faith and so many uh, stories of how you lived it and you experienced it. And that is very inspiring. Thank you for being transparent and, and being willing to share that with the world. And uh, for our listeners, uh, I'm sure that is going to strengthen them. I pray that in, in any moment uh, they feel or they begin to doubt or they have fear over their life that they remember your word and they remember your story. But just before we let you go and as we close out, what would you tell someone who finds themselves in a series of never ending storms? Uh, it just seems to be continuous and over and over and over. And someone that doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel right now, whether it be in health, whether it be in finances, whatever the struggle may be, we all find ourselves at times where it just seems like it's never ending. What would you tell someone now to? build up their faith in this uncertain time? The one thing I would tell you right now is number one, um, never, never um, underestimate the power of prayer and the power of faith. Um, you've got to uh, release it. You've got to trust God. Even when it looks bad, you got to trust God and, and give it to the Lord. And, and the one thing to do, when you go to prayer and you feel the pain, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry and, and open your heart to God and tell him it hurts because then God's loving power comes and he begins to heal that, that hurt and begins to strengthen you. But it's good to, it's, it's okay to cry and to feel that pain. But at the same time, go to the word and get a hold of God's promises. There's, there's a lot of promises in God's word. And then when you get that promise that best fits your situation, get a hold of that and pray it every day. Pray it every day. Now, the enemy is going to come against you and tell you, no, God's left you. God's left. You get a hold of that word and you stay to that close to that word and you rebuke that negativity that's being injected in your mind and you just get a hold of God's word. When you begin to plant that seed, that seed is going to take a little time to get to get nourished and everything. But to get nourished, it begins to get fruit. As it begins to get fruit, you begin 
to get all the blessings of that of that seed that you planted. You may not see it right now, but you'll see it later. When it does come, you'll see, man, I was so glad that I planted that seed back when I did. Because when you need it, it will come out. It will shine like never before. And people are, that are around you, because there's people that are in worse condition than you are, they're going to need, but they're going to be in the, they're, they're going to be able to identify with your situation you have right now. And they're going to be able to say, if that person could do it, then I can do it. And they're going to, it just keeps going on and on and on. The enemy, what he wants to do is destroy our faith and destroy us by us not trusting God and not trusting his word. The less you know about the word, the less you know about his promises and the less you know his comforts. But the more you know about God, the more you know, want to know about the word, the more know you know about the word, the, know, the more you know about his promises. And that's the key yeah. is releasing that faith. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's okay. Brother, before I let you go, I sure. just want to let you know that in our church, we're in our community in Rosenberg, we're gonna be um having in April 30th, we're gonna be having a, a community outreach okay. and um we're gonna be having a conference there that we're um promoting. It's called the Balance Balanced Life, and it's gonna be uh for families, um faith, family fitness. Uh, finances, um, and that's when we regularly talk about those subjects, because in these times that we're living in, people are worried about what's going to happen to their finances, what's going, especially the family, um, uh, their fitness, and you know their uh, their place of how they make their living. Um, and we're going to be reaching out to the to our community because right now we hear so much negativity, right, in through the news and through everything. Everything's really bad. But in the middle of all this, there are promises that we have of God that we can apply to our lives. If we'll just apply those principles in our lives to make our families stronger, to make our marriages stronger, to make our children to be walk in faith and walk uh, to serve the Lord. And then our family, you know, our, our, our finances, how do we get them in control in a, in a world that has so much inflation? Well, in the middle of all this, God can take care of everything. As long as we apply the principles that are in the word of God, we don't have to worry about what's going on out there. They need to worry about, um, they're, they're the ones that need to worry because they don't have no, no, no other way to go. But we do, we have God. And God's the one that's going to control everything. He's going to take care of us. Yeah. So I'd like to invite you guys, if you guys want to, uh, your audience, if they want to attend, it's uh, $30, $30 per person. Okay. It'll be uh, held at the, uh, in, in Rosenberg at the, uh, at the, the Desavala, Desavala Elementary School. Okay. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's a real good outreach for that we're promoting and we're going to have good speakers there from um, different faiths. But the, the purpose of this is to try to get the community to come out and uh, give them an alternative uh, to what they're being hit with out in, in the, uh, in the world today. Yeah. So the address again is 6110 August green drive, okay. Rosenberg, Texas, seven, seven, four, six, nine. One more time. Six, one one zero August Green Drive, Rosenberg, Texas, seven seven four six nine is the address, and uh, it's called Arredondo Elementary School. I'm sorry, Arredondo okay. Elementary School, and the it'll include a continental breakfast, door prizes, and even lunch. It'll okay. be provided for you, Excellent. and all for thirty dollars per person. 
So that is amazing. Thank you for thank you for your time. So what I'll do for letting us be. What I'll do is I'll put a link in the description where people can connect uh -huh. to that. And if people uh -huh. feel free to connect with you and want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way to do that? Uh, to connect with me, they can, uh, they can, uh, at, are you, uh, can I give you my email address? Sure. That's ruriver2020 at gmail.com. Okay. ruriver2020 at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Reverend. We'll put that some of those links in the description and the best way to con connect with you. Thank you for being gracious with your, th your time and being very transparent with your testimony. That is very powerful. We pray that for you, your life, your family, and that God continues to use you in a mighty way. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, sir. God bless. Well, that conversation was so insightful, very inspiring and very uplifting for me personally. And I hope that for you as well, I hope it's a blessing. And I wanna thank you for being part of our conversation today. I will leave some links in the description below where you can connect with Reverend Ruben Rivera. So don't forget to check that out. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love for you to subscribe and hey, receive a big warm welcome to the family. Also, you could help us reach others by leaving a good rating or a good review, or even sharing it on social media, and that would mean so much to me. In the meantime, I would love to connect with you. In the description below, you will find some links. You could also visit the blog page where you can find some helpful content like this at inspired2inspired.org. That's inspired, the number two, inspired.org. And for now, continue moving forward in the direction God is leading you. Continue taking steps closer and becoming who God has intended you to be so you can be impactful in every area of your life. God bless, and we'll see you on the next one.